Hello everybody, welcome back to the Cinemark Podcast. I'm your host, Lev Fauci. With me as always is Samuel Parsons. Hello. And um, so uh, today's a very special episode um, and um, it's going to be our first ever interview. And um, uh, with us today is um, Stephen Hunter. The uh, uh, He played as Bomber in the Hobbit trilogy, uh, acted as Bomber. So how are you doing, Stephen? Very good, and I'm, uh, it's, it's a great honour to be the, the very first guest. This, this isn't the first podcast I've done where I've been the first guest, so um, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm very pleased to be here. Wrapped up warm, with cold in Sydney this morning. Great. So, yeah, um, how are we doing today, Samuel? Everything? I'm alright, thanks. I'm actually kind of hot because London's very warm where I am, but... Uh, but well, it's now got a bit colder because it's midnight currently when I'm mm. recording. But um, uh, yeah, I'm is this your one warm day for the year? Is it? <laughs> Pretty much. It's like it was being it's been cold for ages and then so, unseasonably cold and then suddenly it just uh, mm. it got very hot. But yeah. I, I'm being grossly unfair because I was in London this time maybe two or th- maybe three years ago around this time, um, and we were promoting a movie called Blue World Order, which I did with Billy Zane. Jack Thompson, Bruce Spence, who also featured in the Lord of the Rings stuff. And we flew over and we had this premiere at the Stratford Picture House. Um, so, you know, I think we grabbed a curry at King's Cross. And I actually went out there with Sylvester McCoy, who's a very good friend awesome. of mine. Awesome. I'm a huge uh, Doctor and, Who fan, so I know, I know yes, all about that. <laughs> yes. And, and then so we went out there to this, you know, and there wasn't a lot of people at the screening, um, to be fair, but it was part of the, um, the sci-fi festival over there. And, um, and then... You know, I, I caught up with a few people. I caught up with Adam Brown. Um, I stayed the night with Jimmy the first night I was there. Um, James Nesbitt had dinner with him. Um, and then Sylvester goes, why didn't you come out and, you know, uh, just come out for the day before you fly out? Because I was flying about 10 o'clock that night. And, of course, now I love London. That Everything's so easy, you know, the, the Heathrow Express and just yeah, getting yeah. around is, is fantastic. And um, so I went and he lives out by Hampstead Heath. And he literally took me on a walking pub crawl um, all through like the Spaniards in the Holy Bush, um, these really amazing places around Hampstead. And it was such a beautiful day. So I know I was taking the mickey out of the, the weather over there, but the weather was extraordinary. We had such a great time. And Sylvester, he, st- he walks with a bit of a cane. He was crossing rivers, you know, on, <laughs> on sticks, taking me through this. Wow. And he and he told me this amazing story because you know that Hampstead Heath wasn't meant to be a heath; it was actually meant to be houses. Yeah, uh-huh. it was. Okay. It was. All, it was all meant to be houses out there, and they built this huge cathedral because they thought there was going to be thousands of people, and then someone died, and they changed plan. So but anyway, that that's my London weather story. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to digress. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, Anything that's about awesome. Sylvester McCoy is great. I'm a, as I said, I'm a massive Doctor <laughs> Who fan. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a very funny man. Do you know he plays the spoons? Yes, I did oh. know that. Yes, that's pretty cool. I, I have video of him playing the spoons. If you sort of if you sort of hunt back on my some of my social media pages and look at some of the videos, there is video of him playing the spoons in Wellington. He's he's very very proficient. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, basically, uh, we've got a few questions that we'd like to ask you, Stephen. And um, uh, so, first one is like basically like tell us a bit like about um what you do now um um like what kind of where are you based and like just a bit about yourself in general certainly um well um i guess to 
when you do a movie like The Hobbit, um, and I guess one of the, the, the great privileges of doing a movie like that is that I'm always going to be Bomber. Um, and it's such a, you know, it's just such a great thing. And, and, and the, um, the people who support it are so passionate about Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and they, they love the character. So I still get to communicate with them. Um, I don't do conventions as much anymore. Obviously, no one's doing conventions. Uh, I did yeah. a lot around Australia. I did Dragon Con in Atlanta. Um, we did Hobbit Con three times in Germany and then went back for Magic Con. Um, so, but, but that's sort of gone now. I've, I've, I've got a Patreon page, uh, which is Stephen Hunter Patreon page. And I have people, you know, we communicate and I do, I did a live Zoom literally two days ago with that, um, with some of the, you know, the top tier people. And like, that's okay. So I keep in communication and I'm doing a lot of Cameo stuff because um, you know the video messages and you can actually do live calls on cameo now so i'm kind of that that that's sort of my fan stuff um they've also introduced fan clubs and stuff on cameo so it's a you know i mean there's about a million copycat um companies that are doing that same kind of thing um the, the other side of my business is obviously my acting so um you know like i've sort of been riding off the coattails of bomba for for quite some time but my main passion is is acting and doing other projects so um, a couple of exciting projects that have sort of happened this year. One I can talk about, one I can't talk about. Um, oh, okay. And so uh, there was a, a show called Wakefield that was on ABC over here, which I, I think is going to be on in the UK. Um, there's a couple of UK um, Australian co-pros that are sort of currently, um, you know, uh, in the wind. So um, it would be nice to get on one of those. Can't really talk much about that one either. Um, <laughs> and uh, but there's a movie coming out uh, called Ruby's Choice, which I did with Jane Seymour um, last year, and Jacqueline McKenzie in Australia. And we did like a, another version of you know the old Children of the Corn movies. They've done about three or four of them. There's a new one, and uh, we we filmed that in the lockdown last year. It was the only oh, cool. only only production um, in action. Um, oh. This time last year, uh, there was this. Oh, there was one other show in Iceland, and the only two productions going in the world. So that's due for release somewhere soon. I'm, I'm not too sure if it's on a streaming service or whatever. Um, so yeah, and I'm constantly auditioning. Um, and the other great thing that's happening in Australia is that everyone is in Australia from Hollywood. Um, obviously, Hems, Chris Hemsworth has been down here doing Thor. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, what's um, that? Photos Nat- are great. Yeah, and and uh, Natalie Natalie Portman is here. Her husband did a movie called Carmen. Uh, Natalie Portman's doing a, a TV series. She's just about to start that. Uh, Chris Hemsworth's also got a deal with Netflix, and he's been producing a movie. A friend of mine's just finished one called Interceptor, and it was the first as a directing debut for an author called Matthew Riley, very well-known Australian author. And that's a Netflix thing. Netflix have got a lot invested here. Um, Marvel, because they're now, you know... Um, Fox is owned by Disney. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that they're firmly in concert for at least the next five years and possibly longer. Um, Melissa McCarthy's down here. Um, Nicole Kidman, Matt Damon, um, Zac Efron. Like everyone's basically moved wow. down here because this. And they're all they're all doing. All these people have got their own projects, so they're all doing them here. Um, so for an actor, most of I had four auditions the other last week, week before. Wow. One of them was a recall for a job I've, I've actually just about to start and. You know, they are, there's so much work. So most of the stuff I audition for is American. Um, mm. And, you yeah. know, so it's, you know, if you know, if, you know, people who are crew on film crew come to Australia because there's so much work going on and some states are finding it hard to, uh, 
um, to do the work. So that's the second part. And the other part of my job is I'm a coach. So I'm an acting coach. Um, yeah. So that's that's the other. I, I help people with if they've got self-tapes because everything is either self-tape or Zoom recalls now um, at the moment, even though Australia is, is opened up. Um, some people are getting in rooms. And, you know, I, I help people if they want to get an agent or, you know, just basically mentoring. Um, and so, you know, kind of what I... I offer is my experience and my expertise and my skills and because I've sort of been doing it for a, a while now and I've worked on a lot of projects and I guess I'm I'm current if you've uh, um, if you've ever been in any educational institutions and you know talking to tutors and that they have to be current they have to be up with what's happening and I'm constantly auditioning so um, I specialize in camera work and you know helping people I, I, I worked with a young um, chap last week and it was a, a movie and it was a very special um, look a very special ethnicity that they were looking for for this film and they're basically casting non-actors so I helped him and you know he he decided that he was going to invest some money in a coach and go to the audition and and I reckon he would have blown them away so yeah that that's kind of what I do and I really get a lot of satisfaction out of that um, and you know the, the one thing about being an actor is that most of the time you're not acting so you need to have other a streams of income and also things to do so you're not just yeah. sitting around looking at your phone waiting for your agent for your agent yeah, to call yeah. because uh, quite often they don't so um yeah that's what i get up to and i'm also i'm a, I'm a dad i have a 10 year old um so you know we live in a nice suburb and you know in sydney and yeah it's been um life is good uh, and i did get back to new zealand a few weeks ago to see my mother and my brother uh, because the borders are now open between new zealand and australia um nice. the trans tasman bubble um so yeah and you know i keep in touch with some of my um dwarf mates from time to time keep in touch yeah. with graham and adam and jed and you know um it, it could be a few months um before we talk and you know when we do it's kind of just like yesterday so uh yeah that's sort well, of that's... me in a nutshell yeah that's awesome, awesome. It's great that you still have like, well, it's cool that like Australia is now like the center of everything at the moment because of COVID and everything. So yeah. And, and also New yeah. Zealand, obviously New Zealand's doing a lot as well, but um, yeah. you know, I mean, you got Taika, although he's in, he's currently in Australia, isn't he? Taika, he is he? currently in Australia. I think they're about to wrap. If they haven't wrapped yeah, yeah. already, I think they're about to wrap yeah. this week. So, um, and yeah, so he'll be here, then he'll be, he'll be cutting that. So uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So the next question, uh, how did you get the role of Bomber? Because it must have been quite a harsh auditioning process. Yeah, well, actually, I um, you're based in Australia at the time, and uh, as I still am. And I think a year before the auditions came up for The Hobbit, I got hold of my New Zealand agent, um, who I'd been with for you know a long time before I came to Australia. And I said, let's hook up again. Um, because I heard they're doing The Hobbit and I really want to do it. So that was this was a year before. Um, I remember because my mum and dad were over. And and so she goes, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few months later, they're auditioning. And you know, they were casting here, um, I know. But I also knew that I was, at the time, my agent was a, you know, they were a good agent, but it was kind of like a voice agent and an actor agent all in the same, same go. And I knew I'd struggle because I wasn't in that top echelon in Sydney to get an audition in Australia. So, you know, I, I thought straight away I'll go through New Zealand because they want to cast Kiwis as well. So anyway, I got the audition. Um, didn't tell them I was based in Australia. Uh, my agent didn't um, either. Uh, and I flew over to New Zealand to do the audition um, and then sort of had a few days with my mum and dad afterwards. 
Uh, and I remember going into the room and I wore this crazy, had this outfit. A few years earlier, we do a great run in Sydney called the City to Surf, which is like 14 Ks from Hyde Park in Sydney to Bondi Beach. And a friend of mine and myself decided we were going to get dressed up as Braveheart warriors and do the paint and all kinds of stuff. And, and, and we, we made these smocks and all, all kinds of things. Yeah. It was ridiculous, you know, um, you know, running like in those. We had the proper running shoes, but all else, you know. Um, yeah, and as an aside, he decided he was going to go completely Scottish commando as well, which um, sort of made life interesting because he cut his kilt too short. Um, that's a whole other story. Don't want to go there. But um, and I think one year we did the run and we stopped at the this place in Double Bay called the Golden Sheaf for a midi, which is like a small glass of beer halfway round, which again probably wasn't the best thing to do when you're doing a 14k run. Um, but anyway, oh, we had this costume and this smock, and um, I my friend convinced me to wear that, and we sort of cut it up a bit. So I went into the room and I had my jacket on, and my hair was all over the place, and I took my jacket off, and I remember the look on the casting director's face she was like whoa and i was like either that's a good whoa or a bad whoa but anyway <laughs> i ran with it i did two takes um and the audition was a uh, was actually for gloin um all the dwarves did a general a generic audition for gloin in a scottish accent so of course i talked to my scottish friends and trained for a scottish accent i did two takes and a friend of mine was working at the casting directors at the time and i walked out and just collapsed on the ground um, actually, before I went and I saw someone reading their script, and to me, knowing the lines is is like a runner just putting his shoes on. That's 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 the first thing you do before you even start working on a script. So, I, I came out going, I think I've got a really good shot at this. And my teacher at the time, um, Billy um, from Sydney, he said, "Look, you'll be more prepared than pretty much everyone else that goes for this audition, because I've been doing the work, I've been doing Meisner training and stuff." So. So anyway, I walked out of there. I felt quite confident. I thought, surely there's like, how many dwarves were there? Like 12, 13 dwarves. I thought, surely they'll get, there's got to be one, someone there, there and for me. But that was in June and I didn't hear till like September. So it was three months. Because usually you get recalls and there's like second, third, fourth auditions for a job this big. Um, but I just got a call and it was like late September and it was like, you've been offered the roller bomber. Um, so that was just from one tape. Um, so Pete obviously really liked it and, and they were yeah. just pretty trying to find a place for me. So that's how it went down. Um, great. it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a good experience cause I'd never met Pete before. Um, and the reason I went to New Zealand is cause I wanted to get in front of the casting director because when you were doing an audition, a lot of people self tape now, which is great. And most of the self tapes I do, I do pretty much in this room against that wall there. And yep. I know the casting directors, but if you've never met a casting director, you know, auditions are, are really like interviews and, you know, they, they'll cast you on if you look like the character, if you sound like the character, you know, uh, you know, on your acting ability. Um, they also mm. really want to see who you are. They want to see what you bring personally to a, to, to a role, like what you can add to the role yeah. as opposed to just, you know, try and play a certain way. Um, and they also want to see that what the person is like. And especially I know with Pete and Fran, they wanted to have the right people. They wanted to hire good people. They wanted to hire people who weren't going to be problem problematic or, you know, prima donnas. So getting in front of them was really important. Um, yeah. And then, as I say, three months later, I, I got the gig and and then just the hell broke loose. You know, it was yeah. like, a, it was, we're moving to, oh, and uh, my partner was also seven months pregnant at the time. So my daughter wasn't even born um, and she's 10 now. So it was pretty chaotic, um, but in a, in a good way. Well, for me, in a good yeah. way. <laughs> That's great. So, um, 
So, um, third question for today. Um, so, uh, so for me and Samuel, uh, uh, some of our like favorite directors is like Peter Jackson, and we like the way he films and takes shots and the way he tells the story. And um, so, like as uh, like during the uh, uh, filming process and like behind the scenes and stuff, what, like what was it like uh, working with Peter Jackson like during the uh, actual filming of the uh, of it? Uh, look, I think the guy's a genius. Um, you know, he's also, he's quite private, like on a personal level. Um, yeah. But, you know, he had so much going on and he had that whole movie in his head because mm. I don't know if you remember, but there were so many delays, there were union delays. Yeah, yeah. MGM, MGM went bust, um, Guillermo left and he came in late. And so he had to basically redesign to do it his way because Guillermo's movie would have been totally different. Um, so, you know, they were up against it. And I remember it was explained by um, uh, the, the production designer, Dan Henner, who's just just a wonderful, wonderful man. And he basically, I remember him explaining, or it could have been him or Richard Taylor, like making that movie was like laying down the tracks as the train was coming along. You know, that was so, it was so last minute. And he admitted himself that he really didn't, they didn't give it enough time um, because of all the delays. Uh, but if he hadn't had the experience of doing Lord of the Rings, there's no way he would have been able to do it. But like a lot of stuff, especially for the second movie, because you have to remember that we didn't realize it was going to be three movies until after we'd wrapped, <laughs> you uh, know, like, yeah. oh, it's going to be three and we're going to, and they doubled the amount of pickups. So we, we're meant to do five weeks pickups in 2013. And that's, you know, kind of, maybe that's the same to do a normal well like a standard normal film like you know to actually shoot the whole thing um if it's a small budget you know um but so they doubled it to 10 weeks um to to accommodate the third movie um and you know and a lot of times we were doing stunt fighting and he would go look this side look that side and he 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 didn't quite know where it was going to fit in but he just knew he needed a lot of footage so he just basically you know, as you see in his words, just shoot the shit out of it and, you know, and he'll put it together later. But, you know, so, you know, and there was a tremendous amount of pressure, um, but he was, he was great. And he just had such a vision. Um, he's so passionate about, you know, about making those. Um, he's passionate about planes as well. He's like a big fan of planes and he took us to see his collection of planes. Um, awesome. But yeah, he, he was, he was fun. And he, you know, he just, he just knew that it was in good hands with all the chaos that was happening. And he had to manage like 13 dwarves, which is pretty much, yeah. you know, we were all together in the trailer park all the time. And it was like, you know, we were adults, but we're, you know, just managing school children, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, he, he was great. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, yeah, I don't think anyone else could have pulled it off. So awesome. So this is kind of a weird question, but was it like, was it hard Um filming all day with the really heavy fat suit and the makeup on or was yeah that- I, no not, not a no, no such thing as a weird question um, um but uh it was um and there's kind of a uh i remember when we did our first test and we had all the gear on and at one stage i had my fat suit then they had this like spandex or lycra yeah you know sort of skin colored suit over the top and it was really tight and the hands were really tight and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. You know, it's like, it's, it's such, and, and my, and the thing is my costume wasn't really heavy because it was all very light. It was lots of padding, yeah. but my clothing, my, my base clothing that, that I had to start in the movie was quite light. So I don't think mine was as heavy as some of them, but all the big hands and all those kinds of things were at the start were quite restricting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, 
as we went along, we gave them feedback and they adjusted, you know, yeah. like they gave us hands, like we had stunt hands, like we had the big fat hands and then our stunt hands on the inside, they had mesh. So we could, we could hold uh, things. So, nice. you know, they, they made adjustments, but having that makeup on and like, you know, my, I've, I've always been a bit fidgety anyway with my neck, but you know, it's, there's just something that just takes something out of you. And, you know, we had this on for like 15, 16 hours a day, quite often. We'd, we'd, you know, get picked up at say 435, you know, sometimes earlier, um, get in there, get, get the prosthetics on, be ready. We needed to be ready by nine. And then sometimes, you know, Pete would just say, get everyone ready. And then he'd decide when he get, got on set. A lot of that had to do with, you know, I guess the, 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 the lack of preparation that he had. And quite often we just sit there um, until like two, three in the afternoon at the very start of the production, the first few weeks, there were days we'd get made up and then we'd get wrapped without even getting on set. Wow. So the makeup process is like long, like how long do you think it would like, like generally how well, long would it take for well, you to get into costume and everything? I, I had, I had two people. Um, I had two people uh, working on, on me at one time and mm. Um, that's just doing the prosthetics and it took to start about two and a half hours and then they got it down to about an hour and a half and okay. then we go have breakfast with our big bald heads <laughs> with no with no padding on and our big you know and our, like you know our boots and and you know and we'd all all our bald headed dwarves would go and have breakfast and then we'd get the hair put on after breakfast okay so they minimized you know us eating with all the hair on yep. <laughs> um and then after that, we'd go back to our trailers and then they'd start to dress us and put all the fat suit on. And yeah. then particularly for me, I had the big cheese of the stomach. That, that would be the last thing that would go on just before we walked on set because it was massive. Um, and we also wore the, underneath all our costumes, we had our, um, uh, these like cool vests that we, we'd wear, like the, the, the racing drivers wear and that plug in a cool pack. Um, because if we didn't have that, we'd literally die. So um, we'd just overheat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so um, another question. Uh, so what was the um, like the atmosphere and the vibe like on on set? Was it like a a like a spontaneous thing? Was it more of a uh, uh, of a I don't know like you had to do it to the script or um, also was was it like a fun environment to be in? Oh, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Um, we called the script the Rainbow Script because it kept changing, and then they they had all these different colours, you know, all these different, and they'd have double salmon, or you know, because you usually get like you know blue, and I've you know I've done a job recently. You get blue revisions, green revisions, yellow revisions, red revisions, but they had to go through the whole rainbow of colours because there were so many, um, and it used to change, and quite a, it used to change when you're on set. It didn't affect us as much, well, especially on me, because I didn't have any dialogue. But, um, you know, quite often um, for us, we were kind of like some days it'd be like featured extras. And, and I've done a lot of commercials and commercials are very short and you've got a short time to do something. And it's like one action or one little beat. And you just do that over and over and over again. So quite often our jobs as not the leads was just to do you know, go from there to there. And, and we'd add our, our own things. There was one time in Bag End where I had to walk from the pantry while they were having a conversation with Thorin and Barlin. I had to walk from the pantry, you know, and, yeah. and, Biffa, and Biffa was standing there. And I just added a character thing, whereas I, I just sort of put my hand on his shoulder just to make sure he was okay before I left. And that was just a 
to, just to make a connection, you know, um, and it just it added something to the scene, but I just did the same every single time. Um, but because a lot of us weren't the main focus of the action, like Martin or Ian, whenever they were there, or Richard or, or Ken um, were the main focus, uh, you know, they were able to give a lot of different takes and they'll try different things because as a director, you want your lead actors to give you a few options. So when you get in the cutting room, you've got a few things to, to work with. But for us, it was for, for me, from my perspective, I was just like A to B, just do the same thing, you know, make yeah. a choice. But once I've made it, I do it. Um, but it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of joke telling, um, especially when Martin was around, because Martin's a real practical joker and he's very intelligent and he's very, very funny. He's very dry. He can be, he can be quite cutting in a very funny way. Yep. You know, it's, it's a very, because New Zealanders are very much like <clears throat> the British with a sense of humor. You take the piss out of people, you know, and there was a lot of that going on. So, but it was like school and, you know, and, and we'd gang up on people, um, you know, uh, Mark Hadlow in particular, um, because he was someone that, uh, and I love Mark. He's just such a beautiful man. And, I love all the guys I work with, but quite often, you know, if you play the joke on him, he'd get really upset and he'd take it personally. And of course, that's the worst thing to do because you know that people are going to keep doing it. So, you know, um, some call it bullying. Maybe it was, I don't know. I mean, but, but, you know, it was, it was all, it was all done in jest. Um, and so, but it really did have that whole dynamic of the schoolyard. And lot, most, because most of the time we were just hanging around the, the trailer park. We had all all had caravans, and then there were covers like there's these marquee covers in between the caravans because the paparazzi were up on the hill and they didn't yeah. want to reveal what we looked like. So we just used to muck around, have coffees. Um, I got a PlayStation quite early on, and the only game I ever played was FIFA, and I think it was FIFA 12 back then. Um, yeah. And quite often there was myself. It was mainly myself, um, Aiden Turner, and Dino Gorman, who um, we'd have this like triangular tournament. So we'd spend hours doing that. Martin came in a couple of times, hit a game. He was okay. Orlando came in. He came once. He got beaten. He never came back. You know, there was, <laughs> there was a, you know, yeah. but we kind of had our regular, you know, and, and you know, John Callan used to play classical music, um, but it took him like eight or nine months to realize that there was a switch where the speakers can go on the inside of your caravan and not the outside. And so everyone was listening to his classical music, which caused a bit of a stir. So yeah, it was, it was lots of fun. We, we had so much fun. Um, and because of that, like the bond with these guys, is just something that will never be broken. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So um, did you take question. any props from set, including his weapons, maybe that you showed us earlier? Yes. Um, I, I didn't take any, I got given some, um, <laughs> I got given some. These these were. I mean, I don't know if you can see. There's a picture up there as well. That big picture of Bomber. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was that was given to us. Um, and there's another one here. I'll just look on because I, I like you were saying with your machine. I'm just gonna. I can't really. Um, you can you can see that picture. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. That's awesome. So and oh, that, that was cool. a special there was a special picture that we got given. Um, I, we also got given the very first Lego figure of our characters. Um, oh, cool. That was at, uh, at, at, yeah, at that's awesome. And since then, I think we got a. I think I got the Barrel Ride Lego. I think we bought that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and so my daughter's been playing, you know, with all the Lego. But of course, now all our Hobbit Lego characters are mixed in with Harry Potter and Lego friends. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's so, the sadness of that. Oh, so that's that a, is, nice, yeah, cool. yeah. And, and, and wow, have a look so at the detail. detail. 
yeah. yeah and I, th- I think it's bone. Wow. Um, and it's like, it's not that sharp. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of purposely stab anyone with it because that would be not good. But, um, but if you look at this, it's like, it's, it's, it's leather on the outside, but on the inside is wood. And that that's traditionally, oh. that's traditionally what sheaths were made of. Um, okay. Cause if, if it was all leather, then it's just going to, it's going to go straight through it. So yep. it's, it's, le- it's, it's wood in the inside, which holds it. So that was a, that's a cooking knife. <laughs> yeah, I don't cool. think I fought much with that. I think I, I think I might have a, have a cleaver in that one, or, a, or a, um, and of course the other one, which is the, the most famous, which I do get out at parties and okay. you know we we have neighbours. Well, I discovered um, about a year ago that um, a neighbour next door, who's I think almost seventeen now, was a huge huge Hobbit fan, and then one day around Christmas, I just casually dragged out my um my weaponry and it just blew his head off so uh, this is the, this is the ladle yeah oh, cool. the spoon yeah. the spoon the spoon of destiny <laughs> um yeah, so it's cool. obviously you can see the the dents yeah from um from various orc um orc sacrifices yeah. um <laughs> so so great for fighting orcs and also for soups and casseroles it's very very yeah. handy so maybe orc soup and casserole you could eat there we go orc. Probably wouldn't taste very nice. Yeah, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, that was really cool. Yeah, I saw in the making of the Hobbit that like yeah, each uh, cast member got like their own like gift or whatever to take. Back yeah, I think Gra- Graham's got us. Everyone's got their weapons. That they all got yeah. all got the, their weapons. And and you know, and these are the heavyweight versions, like the ones that we carried around, mm. like this one. Um, you know, this is. Mm. And the other I mean, sort of more like yeah, I mean, lightweight. No, and, well, yeah, they, they were. It was mainly this bit was lightweight, and that was wood. And I remember there was yeah. a time just before we went into we saw Rivendell, um, which was a, a green screen. We ca- we came <laughs> out. I think we'd escaped. There was that scene eighty eight, which we all laugh about. I've, I've even got a t shirt that says scene eighty. Actually, I'm going to find it. Yeah. Um, it was scene eighty eight when we were running from the Wags. I think it started off when. Um, was it Radagask had his had his uh, had the rabbits? Yes, and yeah, and, yeah. and and it was the, the wag chase, and we, we took scene eighty eight. We spent weeks filming that, um, and and we got this made. Oh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that is that is so cool. The Middle Earth Fun Run, sponsored by scene eighty eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, so, so that one was um, just after that. I think we went down a ravine, and then this we did a stunt when a an orc came up with an arrow. And I think that's when the elves turned up because that's where the arrows. And then we we went through to Rivendell, um, and we had to go through this cavern, and we had to squeeze through. And I remember at yep. the time we went to Pete goes action, and I couldn't get through because of that. <laughs> and they literally had to cut it like to about here. Um, so I could actually, so, so I could get through, because um, <laughs> I couldn't move walls. And he's like, "Oh, we'll just, we'll just cut it." So, uh, yeah, that was, that was, um, you know, just some of the things that happened from time to time. But they had a few versions of them, so it didn't really matter, and you'd yeah. never notice. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, um, another question we'd like to ask you is like, out of the entire filming of the movies, what do, you, what was the like the best? thing about acting in them like what would you say was most enjoyable 
Um, I think honestly is is just making the friends that I made um, because you know we've we've I've just got lifelong friends now and you know some of them I don't talk to a lot or we don't you know catch up with a lot but when we did all the HobbitCon um, conventions in Germany you know just seeing those guys again um, Mark Hadlow and Jed Brophy were in Sydney a couple of years ago and you know I just said oh look I'll take you for a bit of a tour around the eastern suburbs beaches. And I spent the day with them. And honestly, it was just like we'd been together yesterday. Um, and, you, you know, you have that, like, you know, it's, it's interesting just an aside, you know, since we've had all the lockdowns, um, we had lockdowns this time last year. And we all got to communicate with our neighbours through newsletters and, you know, and we ended up after the lockdowns, we had street parties. And, you know, once you, you get that level of connectedness with people, it's you can never – it will never go away. So to have two years with all these guys and just living in each other's pockets and, you know, the friendships that, that honestly, that's the best part. I mean, it's great being bomber. You know, we got to go to, you know, London, we got to stay at Claridge's, which yeah. at that time yeah. I didn't even know what Claridge's was. Mm. Um, um, so we got to stay there. You know, we went to New York, stayed at the Waldorf Astoria. You know, we had the big yeah. 600 meter red carpet in Wellington. We had the big tours. We're actually on a, um, just this is all material stuff, right? I mean, because honestly, it's it's all about you know the people I've met. But um, when we flew from New York to London, we we're on the same flight as One Direction, so we were we weren't in in the very pointy end of the plane. They were we were in sort of like the business area on on BA, and it was really nice, you know, because it had been such a, a long couple of weeks. Um, and we went to London, you know, for the for the big London premiere to meet the prince. We met Prince William, which was um, a real treat. He was he, he was lovely, and. We, um, but I remember we got out, um, <clears throat> and we were getting our bags, and we knew they were there. We'd seen them, and then, um, and then we could hear the screaming like in the distance because we all went through a secret back entrance, and we were like, "I said, the guys said we need to get our stuff, and we need to go right now. We don't want to get caught up." And as we walked out with all our stuff, all these, all these young girls were screaming, and we were like, "Not for us." <clears throat> <laughs> Um, yeah. but, but the crazy thing was we, I don't know if you've seen them, but if you, if you see any TV shows or docos or behind the scenes stuff with all these, you know, famous people that sometimes, especially in the UK, they, they go on these big Mercedes, um, silver vans. That's how they, they get them from the airport and they pick them up. And so they were all waiting for us. But the, the problem was, is that they had them for us and they had them for one direction. And no one knew no one knew who was meant to be where. So we ended up, we got luggage. We had a big teddy bear or a big lion or something like that from one of the guys. And then we had we had one poor chap who jumped into our van and we were like, sorry, bro, this is the wrong van. I, th I think yeah. it was the um I think it was Zach, um, oh, the, yeah. the the dark haired chap. And um yeah. and we were had to go, sorry, bro, <laughs> this is it. And then they had to race them, and then all the all the publicity people were I mean, it was ridiculous, really. It, it yeah. was just totally ridiculous. And you know, I for that moment I felt really sorry for these guys because they were young guys. It was back mm. in 2012, 
And they were just being thrown around and they were so stressed out and they were put getting in the wrong place. And it was just really, it must have been really overwhelming for them. I mean, we thought yeah. it was hilarious. We're like older. <laughs> we know we're nowhere near as famous as any of these guys. Um, and it was like, a, it, was a, it was a bit of a laugh. Like when that's our story, we, all, we almost kidnapped a direction. We had one of them in our car. So um, yeah. he would have been so going like, in the so wrong direction good. if he did take it. Yay! <laughs> there we go. Point yeah. for you. Um, yeah, so I mean, those kinds of experiences, you know, I don't think we'll ever have again. You know, uh, going going to London, meeting the prince, doing all that kind yeah. of fancy stuff, uh, and it was exciting. It was fun, but you know, the the long term thing of you know of having those friendships is definitely the best thing that we've had, and we had such a great time. Awesome. Okay, so um, can you give three just general acting tips to people who want to get better at acting? Sure. <clears throat> um, if you want to be an actor, persistence, never stop. Right. When I wanted to to, to to acting, actually in anything in, that I've really done, especially with my acting, I look at the ladder and at the top of the ladder is like your main goal and you just do little little bits at a time. You just keep going. And if it's something you really want to do, then you just keep going. I think it's persistence. Yeah. Um, work hard. Um, you know, and, and with working hard again, it's like, what do I need to do? You know, identifying the areas that need development. And we all, I've still got areas that need developing in my acting. Like it's, it's a constant. Um, and I think maybe before that is also asking the question of why do I want to be an actor? Because a lot of people, want to be an actor for the fame. They want to be an actor for whatever reason to feel good about themselves. I mean, that's probably why I started as an actor when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, I wanted to be in the cool group or I wanted to be liked. And I think that does get people into the industry, but it's really asking that question about, is this something that really fires you up and that you're really passionate about? Um, and yeah, like like really do, you just need to do the work. It, it takes a while. Um, but that in with, with consistency, I think, um, and I, and I think that the 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 last thing is probably just really enjoy the journey of becoming an actor. Yeah. Um, because if you're acting, if you're making your own short films on your phone or you're doing amateur theatre, you're an actor. That That's what you're doing. You're an actor. And, you know, being a professional actor just means you get paid for it, right? Um, so you can call yourself a professional actor. Just like the other day I did a voiceover in my booth and they wanted me to do a rap for this commercial. Um, so because I got paid to do a rap, I'm now a professional rap artist. That's just the way it is. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think like really enjoy it because, you know, the, the, I guess the cold tr truth is that a lot of people who really want to be actors don't become actors because it's, it is a very, it's a very tough industry to break into. Yeah. And like, there's nowhere to get. You know, like, and so if you if you do it because you really love it and you really enjoy it, then naturally you're going to work harder. And then, you know, the old saying, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. And you're going, to, you're going to do the work you need to do. And then if you just keep doing it, things will, things will happen from that. But I, I just think because if you spend all too many, too, too many years chasing after something that might not happen, it's just... Um, I just don't think it's a it's a healthy way of being, you know. Just really enjoy it and do the work. And like nowadays, 
you know, guys of your age, man, the, 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 I mean, the fact that you guys are doing a, a podcast now, you know, and we've got videos and we've got mic setups. Um, I've just, um, I'm very, very excited to announce this is a world exclusive that I've uh, just purchased um, an iPhone 12 Pro Max, which I'm very, very, very happy about. Yes. Um, and I'm going to use that for self tapes. It's got night vision. It's got a depth of field, you know, yeah. and I can, I can make stuff with that. But when I was yeah, a yeah. kid, you had to buy a video camera, like a really expensive video camera, whereas now you've got a phone. You yeah. can tell stories, um, so everything is available um, for you know for people who want to do it. So yeah, yeah, and 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 I guess with the persistency, just one last thing is like never let anyone tell you you can't. Yeah, if you want to do it, if you find a way, but it does take work. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that that'd be it for just for starting yeah. out. Awesome, that's great. Um, so uh, final question. Um, mm. So out out of like all of the like cinematic universes or like out of all movie franchises and series and things star what, wars like okay. <laughs> yeah yeah i, want to I would be like, offering you, you could, star like, wars absolutely <laughs> yeah if you could like uh, like yeah act in some kind mm. of big other big mm. franchise other than middle earth mm. what would be a one that you would be passionate about. Go well, I, you know, I mean, Star Wars would, would, would be it. But I mean, I may have missed the boat for the main Star Wars one, but I've, I, I saw, I was eight years old when I saw the first Star Wars in 1977 and yeah. it just stuck with me. And, you know, there's, there's so much debate about all the, the new ones yeah. and the prequels. But, you know, I, I didn't say I was, I loved the prequels, but I watched them and I took them in. The new ones, I loved all of them because it's Star Wars and and really it, it was so subjective as to what could happen with all those. But to be part of Star Wars would just be an absolute dream. I guess yeah. the other one, the other one is um, is Marvel um, because Marvel is it yeah. right now. So to be in a Marvel movie, um, you know, that would be, that yeah. would be pretty awesome that as well. Awesome. So yeah. yeah, so we'll see what happens, eh? Yeah. yeah, and like, yeah, just like a last quick one. Um, mm. um, are there any upcoming projects that you'll be in that we could uh, maybe review? If there's a uh, well, I, I think Children of the Corn is is one that okay. uh, that'll be coming out, and it's kind of like a a, a prequel, if anything. Um, I mean, there are quite a few Children of the Corn movies, and it's basically they are based on the Stephen King short story. Yeah. So. Um, this is the same. It's another adaption of a short story. But of course, people just think it's a prequel or a sequel, but you know, it's just adapting yeah. the source material. Um, but if anything, it's it's probably the events that happened before the original, which is in the 80s. Um, so that'll be pretty exciting. Um, <clears throat> there's some stuff that's on at the moment. There's a crazy movie, I think it's on in the UK at the moment, called um, Two Heads Creek, which is a comedy horror, which was based in uh, in Australia. Um, may or may not contain cannibalism. But it's pretty funny, um, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a piss take on Australia's immigration policy as well. So it's a it was one of those ones that was a bit crazy that could have landed really badly, but it really, it really works. It was written by a guy called Jordan Waller. He's a British um, actor and writer. He was in The Finest Hour and you know the, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So he, he's yeah. he's done a lot of great work. Um, I think that's out at the moment. Um, I also did um, I, I think it's on Amazon maybe uh, Escape from Pretoria. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it, but I saw about it with Daniel Radcliffe, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I play his father Peter in that, and um, and so I got to work with Dan for a you know for a, for a couple of days, and lovely chap, amazing. Did the read through with him. Um, unfortunately, the role 
originally in the script was a lot bigger. Um, in the end, I, I only sort of, you can see me maybe once, but you know, that the, the, the thing you, well, the, the thing you get used to is that it's not about you. It's and, yeah. and usually usually when you get cut, it's just to do with the story. Like, does this scene for the story, or have we told, have we said what we've needed to say elsewhere? And that was the case with with this role. Yeah. But um, so that's out. And you know, there's some exciting things coming, maybe maybe in a few months' time, um, okay. which uh, I can't talk about. And also, I'm about to do a TV series, which I can't talk about either. But um, okay. you know, there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of work. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff auditioning. I mean, they're about to start rolling on the Joe Exotic um, t- TV uh, TV series, which is starring and produced by Kate McKinnon. Um, she was in Ghostbusters and Saturday Night yeah. Live and just incredible talent. Um, so, you know, hopefully you'll see me in a few uh, in a few US productions um, coming awesome. up because there's, there's a lot here. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, that, that's that's what's coming up. I'm, I wish I could tell you more about some of these things, yeah. but I can't just yet. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, that's great, and um, thank you for joining us today. It's yeah, thank you very, very much for your time. No problem. I'm very impressed. I think you guys are going to do really well, and I really love the name. I think it's such a good, simple name, and it says everything about what you're trying to do. <laughs> um, you know, your time management is impeccable. It's five minutes to uh, to ten o'clock in my time. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think you guys are, are doing well and, um, you know, hit me up and I might be able to put you on to some of the other boys. I'm sure they'll be uh, be keen to chat. I know Jed's always awesome. keen to chat. John Callan's always keen to chat. So we'll uh, I'll hook you up with them. And yeah, well done, fellas. Pleasure to be the first guest. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much. It's been great to have you. Okay, so thank you very much, Stephen, for that interview. That was really awesome. Um, I hope you uh, you enjoyed it, listeners slash viewers, if you're looking at this on YouTube. If you are looking at it on YouTube, then you'll be surprised to know this is our first video on the channel. Um, we haven't we haven't posted anything else on it before, but we hopefully will now. I think we're planning to put every podcast episode onto the channel now, which is cool. Um, so if you would like to see us more, then, uh, then you can watch them on YouTube. This will also be on Spotify and all the other podcast apps, so feel free to subscribe or follow or whatever it's called these days on any podcast app. Also, yeah. Stephen Hunter, yeah. he has the social. Check out his check out his cameo in the description and in the uh, the information it's and in his Patreon. On, on yeah, and his Patreon. They'll be linked in the description and in the info button on YouTube and all Spotify things. Um, so yeah check out his cameo and his patreon links also if you enjoyed the episode um, uh, feel free to follow us on instagram at the underscore cinema podcast and join the discord server Um, both of those are linked in the description of everything so yes yes thank you very very much so uh, have a great week and watch movies Watch movies.